Hello and welcome fellow awesomeologists to Awesomeology. I'm Sue. And I'm Ben. And in this episode, we're going to break down three easy ways to align your marketing content with your strategic plan. I didn't do the air quotes on camera. Sue, you I'm should sorry. have done. I did them for you. You didn't need to. And, <laughs> and no one will see them. So it was a moment just for me and you. Easy is in air quotes because we're going to talk about things that seem like common sense. I think you hear them a lot to align what you're doing with your strategy and and you sort of sit in, I don't know, I don't know how many thousands of seminars I've sat in over the years and gone, yep, that makes perfect sense. Um, And it's probably what we all intend to do, but maybe we lose focus along the way. Maybe we, uh, the tasks get in the way and we end up doing a lot of the same things we've always done. So it's easy if you do it and it makes things better but you got to do it. Right. You got to do it. It's so easy. We're going to talk all about all of that. But before we go there, let's dedicate just a little bit of time, the first five minutes or so, uh, to talk about the bank failures that happened last week. Big news for sure. Uh, us being you know, born of a credit union and servicing a lot of credit unions. Um, this is certainly relevant uh, info to our world. But as we were talking about uh, the episode, uh, listener, um, the point that I think I made to Sue was everybody that listens probably cares about money. So it's probably relevant to them, right? So and there's a reason it was big news. I mean, a bank, uh, you know, being uh, shut down or control taken over uh, by a government body is a big deal. Um, and I mean, because of what it actually is and what that means, and also the optics and the kind of ripple effects that that can mm-hmm. have on the economy and everything in a whole. So nutshell if you're not aware of what we're talking about you I imagine that our listeners are but um, a couple of banks got into a, a situation financially where they uh, didn't have enough uh, cash to pay the mm-hmm. people that had deposits with them right and that meant that control got taken over now there's probably a way more complex way that I could describe what happened but that's maybe just as a, about as bare bones as I can make it right so yeah yeah, I could go. So, I could go more bare bones and say they made some. They made some choices that did not move them forward. <laughs> yeah, and those choices meant that the government had to uh, had to take them over, and I think is going to dissolve them. Right. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. I, yeah. I I'm a little unsure. The last thing I looked at, I, it didn't seem like they had a final determination of what would if they would be. Um, resupported and relaunched in some fashion or if they were going to be dissolved and yeah we'll see what the future holds um since then uh so since the weekend where it was silicon valley bank and signature bank um there's been even more action in this uh, space so a little bit more of that ripple effect happening and um i just read something about a few of the mega banks bank of america and the like coming together to um, pretty much fund another bank that was in a similar situation so um, really interesting there. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I, we'll see what happens if, um, mm. some next phase involves involvement from other organizations, either, I don't know if that's part of a merger or a, other kind of financial support from other banks, or if it's good old fashioned bailout, which I know they're trying to avoid even talking about that, but, um, we'll see what, what happens, but, um, yeah, just really interesting times. And it's, um, you know, being in the industry, it's 
um, you know, you want to be extremely hopeful and um, also being in a different model in credit unions and knowing how good we feel to be a part of credit unions and how good credit union members should uh, feel because of the way we're regulated, our cause and our mission uh, really positions us to not make the same mistakes that mm-hmm. Silicon Valley made. And really like, you know, to, I guess, go one step up from um, bare bones description of what happened. I mean, really like there's one word that um, these banks kind of forgot about or chose to ignore, which was diversification, right? Like Mm -hmm. diversification of their investments and diversification of their customers. Or, you know, if we're looking at it from a credit union perspective, their members and all of their customers were, you know, tech driven startups, um, or at least the vast majority of them were. And then all of their investments were in a similar space where once that sector starts getting affected, just the effect on the whole um, mm-hmm. organization is massive, right? And that's really what got them into the position that they're in. So credit unions, um, you know, much more diverse in their investment structure and, uh, you know, policies in place to make sure that scenarios like what happened over the weekend just can't happen, right? Right. Well, and I think I think the thing to look for in what, whether you're talking about the credit union space, community banks, um, other banks, is uh, consumer confidence is going to be a big deal now over uh, until at least until the news cycle has moved us on far enough that we don't remember what happened, which, you know, the news came out Friday evening. So that should have been Saturday afternoon already. But but this this one's lingering because it is a big deal. But, you know, that consumer confidence and people's tendency to to panic about their investments and the potential yeah. of run a run on another financial that could cause <laughs> trouble that wouldn't have happened without that plunge in consumer confidence. So, right, right, yeah, yeah, lot, lots of factors at play here, right? Like, you know, looming recession and, um, you know, conflict abroad and, you know, lots of things mm-hmm. that just make something like this where, you know, in a more stable world. Um, maybe it's something that's a little more, you know, a little better received and not as newsworthy, but um, newsworthy, no less. I mean, whatever world we're living in, it's a, it's a big deal, but um, I guess, you know, we don't, we're, we're neither of us are economists or, um, you know, have the, the brain to get into the weeds on this topic, but I guess where I land on it is just really happy I'm a member of a credit union. Mm-hmm. Uh, really happy that I'm a member of a local credit union, a small, smaller credit union, right? Um, and I think that um, anybody that's in that same boat uh, probably is feeling the same way when they read and hear news like this. So, Right. And if they're not, we should reassure them that they should be right. feeling yeah. that way because we, the... We... <laughs> We don't use the podcast to uh, recruit credit union members too often, or maybe never is the actual (laughs) way to describe that. But um, now is probably about as timely of a opportunity to to do that because yeah, it's important. Yeah, very very well said. Yes, they. uh, It is. It's a good time to look at the the different structure. Um, It's a good time. You know, we before we started recording, we were reflecting on being grateful. I mean, you want to talk about something we should be grateful for. We 
we uh, gripe a lot about the regulations in the credit union industry and right. how conservative some of those regulations are, but boy, those save our bacon, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> we This is a really good time to be grateful for how conservative those regulations are, right. because that is, that is what, uh, not just our jobs, but our, our uh, money as members of credit unions too. Yep. So all those, all those regulators and examiners out there, you know, right now they're like, see, <laughs> we I told, told you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. fine. You were right. <laughs> it's just one big party for the regulators. And right. that is a wild party. Right. <laughs> I really would like to be a fly on the wall at like the uh, examiner conference or whatever that looks like. It's got to be. I bet it's, yeah. I bet it's nuts. I you bet know? you would, you go to that and you'd be like, I can't forget the marketing conference. I'm right. going. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. you, I, I, I agree and I'm totally serious. I don't mm -hmm. know if you're kidding. Yeah. Or not, no, yeah. I'm not. I, okay. I think that yeah. probably is, that's probably where things go absolutely wild for them. And right. I wish I could be there. But we'll sneak in. Maybe we'll crash one of yeah, those. Yeah, we'll crash it. Some, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. So now, speaking of being inspirational and aspirational, let's shift gears and talk about something a little less dire. Um, uh, back to talking about marketing content and strategic planning. And I bet, Ben, you're really interested to hear what I have to say on this topic. Um, since you are the guy who is tasked with making sure that I know what I'm doing when we're talking about aligning strategic plan and uh, content strategy. So I bet you're really hoping I've got answers, aren't you? I'm so curious that, please. <laughs> so we're going to start here. Knowing that strategic plan is a high-level plan for how a business is going to move forward in any given period of time. Um, and often a strategic plan isn't getting down to that day-to-day -day action that you're going to be taking. Um, and in a very real way, a content plan is the polar opposite of that. It is getting down to the really granular things that you have to um, plan out maybe on a daily basis, at least to get uh, down to the level of saying, I am going to do this thing daily, four times a week, et cetera. Um, so do they really need to be aligned at all, Ben? Yes. Great okay. show. You can go Click. ahead and hit stop record. <laughs> be on our way. All done. Do it. Well done. Align those two. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. Yeah, they totally do. And I suppose, um, you know, there may be dozens of different ways or uh, methods that we could use to make sure that they're aligned, right? But um, I think, um, you know, when we're talking about a strategic plan, there's just some really natural opportunity to use elements of the strategic plan to help create that alignment, right? So um, we'll get into some of that, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, definitely they need to align. I mean, I think as I sit here and um, answer this question and, you know, as much as we prepare for the podcast um, and the recording, I try my hardest to uh, keep the answers to questions like this real as we're in here recording. So I have not prepared any big grandiose answer for this. And really all that I can do is 
um, help to answer the question of do they need to be aligned by visualizing or trying to imagine a way that it might work that they're not aligned. And it's mm -hmm. really difficult, you know, to right. think about, okay, how can, how can we have a strategic plan that's at high level, 30,000 foot, you know, strategic, maybe long-term strategy for an organization and how, how is it possible that something a, a bit more tactical day-to-day, -day, like a content plan could be completely unaligned or, you know, driving the organization in a completely different mm -hmm. organization. And it's, I guess, as I sit here and try to answer this, it, it's really, really difficult for me to think about like how or why that might work. Right. And maybe there's a scenario for the perfect kind of organization where um, that would make sense. But um, I think even for using that as the example, if, if you can't even imagine what it would look like for them to be unaligned, then definitely mm -hmm. the answer is they need to be aligned. Well, and to be clear, if you can't imagine them being out of alignment and then both still being successful, because I can really easily <laughs> imagine them not being aligned. Sure. Because I have uh, I have worked in plenty of places where they were not aligned. Sure. And the I think the success and it's not to say that you can't have successes in both plans along the way if they're not aligned. Um, but I think what you find in a place where there's total misalignment is that the success is um the successes you see are accidental sure I, it, right. which is the best it may be the best way to explain it it's it's um it's not moving anything deliberately it's not uh looking at a thing intelligently so a thing can work and also knowing that there are um a million factors to whatever your particular uh, goal is you, to making that successful. So a lot of things could align that help you succeed um, outside of actually aligning content with strategic planning, but mm -hmm. the over, it doesn't move everything forward. It doesn't move the whole, the whole ship. Yeah. yeah. So, so like, you know, connecting the two, um, you know, could be, done in a number of ways, I suppose. And at the end of the day, like, you know, we're going to talk about a, a few uh, of those ideas or uh, ways, but um, wh whatever you choose or however you go about it, like, and this, this sounds so cliche as I'm about to say, but like communication really mm -hmm. um, is just like at the core of that, you know, how these plans are rolled out, who knows about them, who knows as things are progressing and, celebrating things along the way, you know, and all of that comes through creating moments where things are communicated, things are celebrated, things are brought back on track, you know, whatever, right? So um, I think a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about are, um, you know, certainly ways that we can connect these two and and bring that alignment, but like communications, like at the core, at the root right. of all of it, right? Right. Yeah. And another another big word that we're spending a lot of time on this year, accountability is a right. huge part of it. So you can't, uh, you, from in a real sense, you can't create a strategic plan and then um, not 
help people see how they're accountable to it and expect and expect that they will succeed within the paradigm you've created. Sure. It, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, I've seen plenty of people try to do it, <laughs> but um, I think you, you end up frustrating everyone when you do that. Yeah. So, including yourself, right? Yes. And maybe especially yourself because <laughs> some people uh, just refuse to be frustrated by their inability to do things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we, we, uh, as we were talking back and forth about this subject, I, you know, being, being the, the blog person, the blog master that I am, <laughs> um, everything, I think I, I see everything in terms of, is it tips? Is it tricks? Is it life hacks? And what's the number? That's how, yeah. like, that's how I organize all the information in my brain. So, uh, Initially, we, I thought of it in terms of three tips, three steps, you know, what are the, uh, what do you call this thing? Well, there are more than I, now I am also a master of taking a large number of steps and then pretending it's three steps. Decided not to do that this time. <laughs> nice. Um, so really what we're going to talk about is three ways, three places you can align them, uh, the strategic plan and a content plan. Um, and just know that this is covering a really broad idea. I mean, both from what a strategic plan might be. I think I play, I'm playing a little fast and loose with the idea of what a content plan is. Uh, traditionally, you know, depending who you talk to, you may have a, you may sort of have a three-prong marketing mix, which is um, public relations plan, content plan, and promotional plan. And those would be three different types of things. And if you're really, uh, if you're really working um, with a large team, you might have teams dedicated to all three prongs of that. Right. When we talk about a content plan, our team is not that large. We're all responsible for all three pieces of that. So uh, we will talk about it in terms of everything that would really fall under uh, our con our type of content. So that will be PR, that will be uh, promotion advertising, promotional and advertising, and it will be what the strict in the strictest sense people might define as content. Right. So because it's because we do it all. Yep. And I think we talked to a lot of people who are also doing it all. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. But just know if you are any if you're uh, listening to us from a massive advertising firm and want to finally know how to do this. Uh, <laughs> this is your moment to learn this that you just uh, think about the 45 people that you have on each team and apply this to them. Yeah. Well, the beauty is it does apply, right? Regardless right. of theme size. So, right, exactly. So, we start with the um, a place that I think you start everything you do uh, when you're proceeding in business, and that is know who you are, know right. who your business is, and you know there we're talking about um, think about culture, think about mission and vision. Think about your values. Think about why you're different. A lot of those things are 
if you are not talking about those things as you're talking, uh, as you're in strategic planning, if they don't come up at all, um, then I would encourage you to go back and talk about them <laughs> because right. it is not, it's not, strategic planning is not just about assigning numbers to a certain number of months in the year and um, dis and choosing how much money you think you'll make. Right. It's, it's about, uh, can we be successful as a business? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, when you're talking about these things, like, I mean, at the very least you have to acknowledge their existence and challenge yourself mm -hmm. during planning to, you know, look through the lens of that mission, your culture, your vision. Uh, and if that doesn't feel good, well, one, like something's probably wrong with them. Maybe something's wrong with you and you're not bought in or, you know, there's some barrier that you have up to the organization's mission or vision that for some reason you're not connecting with or buying into. Um, and, you know, this goes to, I guess, the first point that we're making here, right, about like doing this authentically, you know, so if if you're acknowledging or working on or, you know, whatever precursor you want to put to bringing culture, mission, vision, values into things like your strategic plan or your content plan. And if it's, if that doesn't feel real, you've got some like baseline work to do, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's okay. A lot of businesses are in that same spot, you know, where they've got the stuff on the wall or the values on their website and they're just a thing that lives and doesn't really get talked about or used or put into action. You know, you're, you're not alone in that, but right. um, if you feel that way, like challenge yourself, speak up and see what can be done to make that all feel a bit more authentic. Because once that happens, then that spills into everything else that you're doing, the development of your strategic plan, the development of your content plan, and then the execution of all of it. You know what I mean? So right, that authenticity right. is just crucial. It really is. Yeah. And uh, I want to talk about authentic authenticity. I, I want to say the word, and then I want to talk about it. But also one more point on, you know, if you're if you're at a place where uh, culture or values or any of that seems a little squishy or even, you know, to the point where you're saying, well, we don't you know, we don't talk about company culture. We don't have we don't have a company culture um, that we're focusing on. Well, um, surprise, you have a company culture. Right. You just don't have uh, you have no control over it. Yeah, or awareness of it, right? Right. You're you're not managing it in a way that's going to make your business tend to be successful and you're going to retain employees. Same with values. Your yeah. your team has values. And if you're if if you are not harnessing the values that they have to help them work with more purpose, um, or if you are if your team is terribly misaligned in terms of values with what your values are that that is all something to to work through yeah and it's not the end of the world right right it is uh it's a conversation to have and you know it it's not fun to think you might have to come down to the point where you say well the company's values are this and these people you know this person over here their values are terribly misaligned and i can't see a way that we will become aligned that's that stinks yeah. um but also 
it is it uh it's like a breakup man if yeah. uh <laughs> if it's not gonna work it's not gonna work and it's better it's better to uh call it and let the other person go somewhere that aligns with their values yeah sometimes better is hard um right. but that is really the thing everybody's better you know by working on it and acknowledging it yes um so i gotta i have to stay in this authentic now i can't say it see i know space for a little bit yeah so especially related to a content plan right where mm -hmm. you know um you know content is also this big category where you could be talking about so much different stuff when it comes to content right but um can you talk a little bit about like maybe it's just your feeling or your opinion or an observation you have about how companies might um, deliver a content plan or, you know, and I guess as part of executing a strategic plan in a way where they're, they're trying their best to be authentic while also building the culture they want to have or mm -hmm. delivering on the vision that they have, you know, but they're not quite there yet, or maybe even their mission, right? Like they, you know, I, I imagine that plenty of organizations have a mission statement in place that is like very close to what they're actually doing or what they're trying mm -hmm. to do, but not quite there. Um, so when they, you know, put um, content out or as they're doing things and involved in the community or with their staff, they're maybe living like on the border of authenticity, you know, it's not quite who they really are yet, but it's definitely where they want to be. And they've got like mm -hmm. nine of the 10 ingredients to get there and do it. Is communicating or delivering content in a way that's just beyond where you really are, or maybe even far beyond where you really are unauthentic? Or is that just a necessary step in getting to the culture or the message or the organization that you're trying to build? There's a question in there somewhere. Yeah, no, I think I get it. So is and maybe the question is, is it inauthentic? Or is it aspirational? Hmm. Right? So is it? Uh, yeah, is it and and it's like is it is that is it wrong or is it right? If you uh and I my answer to that would be if you like we do, we we want to hang our hat on the idea of authenticity. And you know, sometimes that sometimes there are some stakes to that that uh I, that maybe don't feel great, right? to, you know, when you have to make an admission of uh, not being where you want to be or struggling with a thing, it, 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 it doesn't feel great. Um, but if you're going to, if that's where you are hanging your hat, uh, you have to proceed with it and you have to proceed with caution. Uh, I think what I eventually I'm going to answer your question. I think what challenges a lot of people and myself included um, with that idea of authenticity is you, you do have to make sure you are balancing that with your own credibility, right? So you want to be authentic, um, but you don't want to be so self-deprecating that you look like a mess. <laughs> Yeah. So there, there, and you know what, 
hey, man, we're all people. Everybody's a mess sometimes. <laughs> so uh, it would not be inauthentic to be a mess. But if you also, again, like, like exclamation, we want to be authentic and we want to be thought leaders. We want people to want our advice. Right. Uh, so I think you, what you have to do is consider the, consider the consequence. Well, you should consider the consequences of everything you do, right? And content, whether people really realize it or not, is something that you need to constantly consider the consequence. And, you know, we'll talk about that more as we're talking about the aspiration, the aspirational nature of building a business and where you want to be. Um, it, uh, you have to really consider that kind of stuff and what, uh, what image that brings of you and your business. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is that I'm, I'm, I've almost wrapped around to the point where I'm going to answer your question and say, uh, in my opinion, the way that you can go wrong with, um, authenticity when it's when you are really trying to be authentic to something that's an aspiration is by not admitting it's an aspiration mm. and it's so simple really and it's not there's not a big reputation risk to say here's what we're trying to do exactly. here's what you here's the way we want you to see us right and there are also ways that you can do that um, depending where your message is going, that open that conversation, right? Yeah. So it gives you that opportunity to say, here's what we're, here is how we're trying to do this and how we want you to see us. So you tell us if we're hitting the mark. Mm -hmm. And that feedback is so important. Right. Yeah. See? Yeah. I told but you to answer that. You did. Yeah, you did great. <laughs> you got there. Nicely done. Thank you. Yeah, I, I anticipated us to be, um, on the same page about this, just with <laughs> how the work that we do together is really, mm -hmm. uh, it's really important for us to be on the same page about a topic like this. And I think that that is uh, like two points that you made that I think are just absolutely perfect is that mention of feedback, which also you may not always get. So sometimes it's really tough mm -hmm. to know if people are buying into your message or if what you're doing is you know, too far uh, away from authenticity and, you know, more on the aspirational side. Um, but the cure for that or the thing that can make that all all okay, all right, is by admitting or making it really clear that um, that it's aspirational. You know, this, mm -hmm. this isn't exactly where we're at right now, but darn it, it's where we want to be. And right. you can be a part of that. We, you know, we can all be a part of that by, you know, growing, changing, Etc. And what's really cool is then like your aspiration becomes a part of your authenticity. And it's just like this beautiful circle that right. we created, right? So, um, but it can also be really tempting to just live in this future or uh, aspirational future mm -hmm. that's so detached from your reality that, I, that it can all just be BS. Like if I could just make right. it sound really yeah. simple, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, and that that is a great point, and I think that that is where people um, 
I, that is where people sort of in, in an old school way wanted to live. And I think it's, uh, it's really valuable, especially knowing the, the newer consumers that we're talking to, the people who are starting to, you know, come up and have the money and that we need to, um, we need to really make a part of the conversation. Uh, they value more the idea that we would say, we are trying to be this way every day and we want to know if we are, than uh, looking at a, you know, a conference room wall from the 90s that has a poster on it that says um, integrity, 100% integrity. Well, guys, come on. It's nobody has 100% integrity. (laughs) Everybody does their best. Right. As soon as we're done recording here, I'll take my poster off the wall here. Would you please? Yeah. Would you sorry. please? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's been hanging out. For I'm too usually long. large too. I would <laughs> like to point out. <laughs> Where do you get a six by eight poster <laughs> that just says integrity yeah. and has a picture of you on it? Right. Two thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, but seriously, the some of the the when you look at core values, mission, vision. Um, I do think it's disingenuous to say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of one of these cliche core value words. Um, communication. There you go. That's a good one. 100% of the time to say 100% of the time we value communication uh, between our associates. No, you try to remember that you value communication, you focus on making good communication. You don't always re- you don't always value it. Sometimes you want to be left alone, <laughs> right? Right. So, I mean, and but I don't think anybody wants to put that on their wall. Well, communication. I, Sometimes we want to be left alone. Well, and, <laughs> I mean, if I if I can bring that. <laughs> back to a place that maybe sounds a little less cynical or I don't I don't know if that's the right word um knowing when somebody wants or needs to be left alone is also part of really great communication so right. you know like we are striving for that maybe utopia uh, mm-hmm. sort of future uh when we talk about core values or whatever but I, I I'm not I'm not trying to uh, take away from the point you're making where like to expect uh, or anticipate any kind of perfection when it comes to these traditional right. values that we see is yeah it's just super unrealistic and yeah, yeah well we're dealing with humans. I think particularly when you uh, when you face a a customer service issue hmm. if if your response is well that couldn't have happened because we train our people to do this thing and they always do this thing right. Mm, that that's where that inauthenticity, that inability to believe that you could be aspiring to it rather than achieving it every single day becomes a problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But the flip side, as we are talking about, I'm moving on to the next bullet point. See how clever this is. It even more clever if I hadn't brought it up. Uh, <laughs> Using that, thinking about that authenticity, thinking about how you can tie um, your business's aspirations to what you're doing right now in content is another way to tell your story. 
Right. And um, I, I honestly think if you look, if you look in the market now, there are so many great examples of uh, particularly like startups that became wildly successful. And part of how they became wildly successful is um, telling an authentic story. Now, we're consumers. Do we know if their story is 100% authentic? We have to take them at their word. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think about things like uh, Harry's Razors and Squatty Potty is another one that comes to mind <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> but, but some of those that are, you know, have not just an innovative product, but uh, Lumi is another one is a deodorant company Yeah, yeah. that, you know, are the way that they come to market is with a story about what they're doing and um, being able to align that with why they're doing it, what their mission, vision and values are. Um, there is so much, there's a, that is a rich place for content. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's really uh you know when you talk about blowing up your content, right? To be able to say we can take this piece of this story and that's a blog and that's a video and that is that one little line can go in an ad and we can repeat that thing over and over and over and it applies to so many different things we're trying to do and connects with so many different people. Um that when you when you realize that you can take that from an authentic story, it sort of puts this idea of having a clever copywriter who has to make things up to sell products to shame, right? If you have mm -hmm. a great story and can say it in a compelling way. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. If you want examples of what Sue's talking about, just watch like an episode or two of Shark Tank and you'll hear those stories you'll see right. you know, like why people are doing what they do and you know it's I guess I say that halfway kidding but I mean really though if you look at the stuff that's on a show like that like the, the product itself or the thing that they're doing the mm -hmm. thing that they're providing like it's rarely an invention you know it's just something that's a little bit better or different than something that already exists and it's the ones that at least in my observation, get invested in most of the time are 100% backed by a true authentic story and a ton of mission. You know, they're just really guided right. by a, by a purpose, which sometimes is, you know, philanthropic adjacent, or, you know, there's some sort of charitable aspect to it. Sometimes it's just like, I was at this place in my life, I needed this thing. So I wanted to do something about it. So I started the business, you know, and like, those are usually the ones that wind up getting the investment because you know there's more behind it than just profit there's more behind right. it than just um you know what can be whether it's real or not like a perception of um like tricking people into buy to buying a thing or needing a thing and all of a sudden you, you're making money you know like when you're when you're rooted what when what you're doing is rooted in good or something that um you know helps solve a problem for you or others success mm -hmm. usually follows right and that you know and that is a really great way to 
underline the uh, this quote that I grabbed from Simon Sinek, which is that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Right. And uh, that is, I, I believe that 100% with every fiber in my being. And also when you, uh, when you reflect on that, looking back to culture, mission, vision, values, and how you differentiate yourself in the market, if your whole team isn't aligned that way, if they don't know why they're doing what they're doing or what your purpose is behind it, um, you, you're going to struggle within that team mm-hmm. and have to be constantly uh, course correcting, reminding, you know, uh, where if you can align everyone to this is why we're doing the thing we're doing. Um, it makes their jobs a lot easier, makes them a lot happier too. Right. Yeah. Okay, that so, was our first way, right? I know that's yeah, we spent man, we made a meal out of it. You know so what though? Moving, Rightly yeah. so. If there's one of the three that we were gonna spend some extra time on, um, that's the one I would I would like to spend most time on. And I would suggest to others not to be too prescriptive, but like spending extra time on who your business is, why you do what you mm-hmm. do is uh, not a bad place to be. Good deal. So next is to talk about where your business is going. And I have some recency bias here because we had a really good conversation about this just this week mm-hmm. um, because it was the thing that was on my mind because I have to build a content plan okay. that aligns with our strategic plan. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and that is uh specifically know where you're going in the short term, the midterm, and know what your, you know, I, I called it in quotes, final form. So we're talking like, this is your, uh, this is your ultimate Autobot. This is your Captain Planet because all the kids align together and it's like the big, <laughs> Right. this is your final form that, uh, and it is, that is all about aspiration. That is all about looking forward to like when we are as successful as we can possibly imagine being, what do we look like? Right. Um, and the reason I wanted, the reason we had that conversation this week is because uh, I believe that you can start today building toward that. You can, uh, and, and flip side, again, here's the cynic in me. Um, you can fail to start today building toward that. You can, uh, if you're not looking forward to that final form, you can make the mistake to build a content plan that is here, you know, here and now, so here and now focused that it becomes outmoded. Um, your business becomes unrecognizable uh, in a very short period of time. Yeah. And you wind up doing work that at some point in time, you'll take a breath and look around and realize how did, how did we get here? Right. You know, I mean, I'm sure it's happened where all of a sudden people stumble into something, you know, and are something that winds up being great, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. sure, I'm sure that it's happened. um, But also I imagine it's few and far between, and that's certainly not the, uh, the best way to go about it, but yeah. More often than not, if uh, you're lacking that long-term vision uh, or know where you're going, you will wind up in a spot where you look around and you're like, oh, gosh, God, how did we get here? And- yeah. 
And the answer is usually like, oh, because we always did it that way. Sure. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, then the I flip. Love... Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was tell just going to tell say... me nice things about me, will you please? Because then. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I just I really love how um, you make the point of it being this continuum, right? Where we mm -hmm. can we can know where we're going and we can focus on the future in the really short term next week next month next year uh and do all of that in alignment with that quote unquote final form and things can and likely will change along the way um, but if you don't have that you know long game in mind um really really tough to execute on anything in the short term that's real you know right right well and you know from the from the standpoint, the super practical standpoint of uh, someone who is going to be tasked to be making, I hope, content for a long, long time, you one of the things you want to do is think about being able to make content that is evergreen because you can't, um, particularly on a small team, you can't, something fresh isn't going to happen uh, as frequently as you want it to. Right. And if you can look at that whole continuum and think about what what is always going to help people, what is the thing that we're always, quote unquote, always, um, that will always seem like it will be useful to someone. And um, where I think that you and I sort of have a benefit here is we... Uh, we joined a starting business with time behind, like time behind us. So we could say, well, like, you know, 10 years ago, this pe people could have he heard this thing. Five years ago, they could have heard this thing. And mm -hmm. that tells me um, probably in five years, it's still good information. Right. Um, and the, the, like the little nugget I always go back to is how, as an example, how um, the very first thing I learned uh, in the very first marketing course I took was product, price, place, and promotion. And everything about product has changed. Everything about price has changed. Everything about promotion has changed. You know, everything about them has changed, but that hasn't gone away. It's still right. product, price, place, and promotion. Right. Um, so it is, but it is the vehicles of all of those things that look so different. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. And the flip side being making sure that you're creating content that meets short-term objectives as well. So you don't, you, uh, you can't live in the short-term, mid-term, long-term exclusively. It is, uh, it's, it's this balance of thinking about what, what are we trying to do today and what is likely to make that happen and then adding in like how how sustainable is that thing i'm going to do yeah will that how can i build that in a way that it still looks good to me in 15 years when we're the ultimate autobot and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if someone's wondering like um you know because at the end of the day some content needs to be specific for today or mm -hmm. for the really short term right um and 
um, this is probably an unfair and almost impossible question to ask you, but if someone's wondering like how, what's the mix between content that's made for those short-term objectives or for today or the immediate future and and then that long-term thing, like how do I balance that? I don't know, what would you say? What I would say is um, it is, if you have a good handle on what your long-term looks like, um, today is mostly going to be current to mid-focused with a sprinkle of long-term on it, right? Sure. So it is going to be uh, looking for, it is going to be maybe written in a tone if your long-term uh if your long-term goals involve uh consultation we want to let's say that uh let's say that we were willing to own right this moment um a that consultation is definitely a long-term goal of our QSO. Um, that would mean that today's content, even if we don't have an arm of the QSO that is consult totally consultative, hmm. um, today's content is written with a consultative lens. Sure. It is written thinking, how can how can we communicate this thing in a way that um, is giving people enough information? that they can act on it. I think, and that just as an example, that is yeah. one, that's sort of one hallmark of consultation that I think might be different than purely a promotional piece of content, which would be, how can I write this thing so these people call me? Right, right. <laughs> so there's yeah. a distinction there that, you know, that you uh, constantly uh, have to be making. Yeah. I think the other part of the answer is it depends, right? Totally depends on right, your right. what you're trying to do, what mm. you're what you're selling, what you're doing. Yeah. So um I I totally threw you a really unfair question there, but you handled it really well. Congrats. Yeah. Nice I, I say it depends so much that <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be nice and actually answer it. Yeah, so I was I was no. setting you up for you to say uh it depends, and I would have been happy yeah. to accept it. But well. I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the pressure's on, man, because I'm trying to figure this out for myself. So <laughs> I can't, I can't tell you it depends when I have to show you our content plan. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so speaking of it depends, the third thing, uh, the third way to align things is to get specific about what you'll do and when, yeah. um, both in your strategic plan and your content plan. And I I wanted to talk about this because I have, and I've mentioned this to you before on many occasions, and clearly it's a thing I've never forgiven the uh, facilitator for the strategic planning that I was at, um, that we've I've come out of strategic planning with no action steps. The, the team had, and that that's not just, I didn't know what to do. It, there was no action planned mm -hmm. and it, the specific 
strategic planning session, which is before your time, um, not on earth, but, <laughs> but uh, at our organization, um, never, because we've also had uh, experiences where you do the strategic planning and the action plans are built after the day. Right. Uh, and this specific instance, um, it just never happened. And there was no, uh, there was not a discussion of should there that happen. It wasn't something that was tasked back to the group by the facilitator. It just didn't come up. And uh, so this is my commercial for anyone who is thinking about strategic planning. Um, and we are about six months past strategic planning time, but. <laughs> Depending on when if, you do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that if you walk out of strategic planning with no intention to have anything specific um, in terms of action plans, um, walk right back in and <laughs> take Make a, some demands. Right. And take some time to get specific action plans. Now, they're not going to, because it's strategic planning, they are not going to be day to day tasks, likely. Right. right. Uh, but they, they should be goals right and they should be nicely specific yeah well and the it, it's safe to say that the uh correct me if i'm wrong that the action steps um i mean they really should if they're not day to day they should teeter on it or you know be mm-hmm. really aligned to the specific things that you do for right. your job right so right um, so you can take those steps and achieve the goals that the steps are contributing to. Right. So yeah, yeah, they should be darn close to day to day and your reality for what you actually do. Right. And then when you have those things, um, uh, along with the strategic plan for organization, it makes you more able to tie the specific right kind of content to those action plans and now, now I'm talking, um, I'm talking type of content and delivery method as well. So uh, throwing, you know, I love a good example, throwing an example in the air. Um, if part of your strategic plan is to, is around awareness of your business, then uh, your content plan should be speaking to what are what are the things where do we need more awareness are we trying to grow uh, a following in a particular social media platform are we do we need to gauge awareness in our you know really specific regional marketplace what is that awareness and what are the pieces of content that um, will contribute to it mm-hmm. specifically so that so sounds this, like a thing we should do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, another thing that uh, this all informs is capacity, right? Mm-hmm. You know how yeah. how how detailed are those action steps, and you know if they're specifically tied to what people are doing for their day to day. Like, do you have the resources in place to actually do the thing right. or things? You know, and if if the answer is yes, great steam ahead uh, if yeah. the answer is no what are you going to do about it you know and what does that look like does that mean you're hiring people does that mean you're using outside resources um and the answer is it depends right 
It does I wanted depend. to say it at least once. Thank you. Yeah. You did. You know what? You bring it in. You bring it in just so right. <laughs> so perfect. Chef's kiss. Mwah. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> well, I, you know, and uh, on the same, along the same thoughts as capacity, you know, they're looking at what pieces of the year, if we're talking short term this year, um, align with what you're trying to do and could create sort of a natural boost for you. So mm-hmm. when are people looking for the thing that you are trying to sell? Um, and even if you, you know, one of the pieces of logic I've used for maybe a thousand years is that um, there are sort of three, to, to me, this is my personal logic, whether it's correct or not. Um, there are sort of three times in the year that people uh, people are looking for new ideas. And to me, people are looking for new ideas around tax time, around springtime, and then around back to school. I think there is something, and that is not, that is separate from saying people want to know where you can buy school uniforms. That is, we, and, and maybe it probably is a uniquely American thing, back to school being its own uh, specific time of the year. And there's, you know, there are just things that we're, that are so ingrained in us at that time of the year that uh, I think that's a really fertile time for new ideas. Hmm. And, um, and it aligns beautifully, you know, if you're a, if you're a calendar year business, it aligns beautifully with looking at strategic planning and right. when you're going to start, you know, your following year. Mm-hmm. So using, and it's different from business to business. Uh, we, you know, doing most of our work with credit unions, we, we sort of have that, uh, we have those habits around, you know, when, when are people looking for homes? When are people thinking about remodeling? When are they buying land? When are they buying cars? When are they buying RVs? When are they buying boats? You know, so those, those things. And I think, uh, I'm sure that they vary from region to region of the country. Um, but those are the types of things that can boost that can boost your business, even if you're still struggling with capacity, I think, Mm. you know, and, you know, the flip side is you have to be cautious if you're going to, if you're struggling with capacity and you're going to bring a whole bunch of sales in um, because you are boosting at a naturally good time to boost. Right. You have to know what, what that will, what will happen from there. Yeah. Timing is a pretty key factor. Right. And then just final thought on specifics, and then we will, uh, then we will reflect on everything brilliant we've said and move on, is to write this all down and make sure your team knows it. If you have a team and um, are able to share some of this work with that team, they have to, they really have to buy in. They have to understand how they're accountable to the plan. They have to understand your strategic plan. Um, and the what's and the wherefores and the whys, I think yeah. I, and, and certain, you know, I think certain people, I'm not one of them. 
but certain people can function without the whys and the wherefores. Um, mm-hmm. But if you have a, and maybe this is bold to say, but if you have an inherently creative and self-motivated team, the whys and the wherefores, I think, only serve to motivate them more. Right. Yeah. Nicely done. Thanks. Thanks. I feel like this this turned into a lot of me shouting at you. And you know what? Why should it be different than any other yeah. day? It sounds like every other day <laughs> in the life of Ben Bauer. Yeah. Aw. <laughs> I'm kidding. Wah, wah. <laughs> kidding. No, I appreciate it. You're gonna wrap those three up for our audience before we wrap? Sure. So those top the three ways to align your strategic plan with your uh with your content plan are know who your business is know where your business is going and get specific about what you'll do and when. And, you know, I could get really sassy and put these on the blog too. You know, I love a listicle, you know me. If I can get a listicle out there, I'll do it. Hey, sounds smart to me. Sounds (laughs) like good content. I like it. Cool. Well, thanks, Sue. Thanks for driving the conversation. I mean that with all sincerity. Great uh, three ways to align a really important topic. Um, and, uh, would love to hear from people if there's other things, uh, that people are doing or businesses are doing or things that they've had success with and bringing these two together, because they really are important for moving organizations forward. So, all right, let's wrap up, right? Something awesome, uh, where we each share our recommendation for things that uh, happened to us or, uh, content experiences, et cetera. Um, in true tradition, I'll kick it off by uh, sharing uh, an article from NPR. It's a bit dated now. It's from December of 20, uh, 2022, but um, it's an announcement um, related to the Postal Service uh, electrifying their fleet, right? So I'm, I'm a, I don't know if I can claim to be like an electric vehicle nerd or anything. I don't drive a Tesla. I don't drive an all electric vehicle. My car is a plug-in hybrid electric. So I've, you know, I like plug my car in at night, just like I plug my phone in and all that. <laughs> um, and I'm really interested and curious about the future of electric vehicles. I, I think that my next car will be something all electric. I could probably do it now, but honestly, the car that I drive is just in plenty good shape. I have no reason to get, uh, no real reason to get anything new. Um, but like I, I guess uh, I think this is the future, you know, and, mm. uh, you know, just more and more vehicles being electrified. And it's, and I also know that right now it's not for everyone. It might just not be feasible for um, everyone. And I guess I'm speaking about like personal and business use, right? Um, the reason I'm sharing this article though, is because I think like the post office is just the perfect place to start. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a, a the the kind of business, the kind of operation that, uh, electric vehicles seem like a, a really logical solution. And even, you know, shoot, as I say it, probably not every post office, probably not everywhere in the country, you know, some cover larger rural routes where the range just wouldn't be there in, elect- in an electric vehicle. But a lot of them, you know, out and back from the post office, the most they're covering in that range is 100 miles. And like, why not rely on electricity for that? You know, the vehicle range is all that it would ever need to be. Um, and then, you know, this is how a lot of innovation happens is where, you know, you have some early adopters, businesses, people that um, take on some of this new technology and we learn some things so that for 
what might seem impossible today, it becomes possible down the road. So um, as I think about electric vehicles and stuff, I just, the picture in my brain is always like minority report, you know, just everything like running on gravity or some power that we don't recognize right now, you know, and things zooming around silently. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely not yeah. there quite yet, but this is a cool step. And um, I don't know, we'll see how it goes. It'll be cool to see like the first electric uh, postal vehicle rolling around in our town or something, you know, and yeah. I don't know how far we out, we are, how far out we are from that, but it'll be cool to see that. And actually side note that made me think um, I was driving around downtown Marshfield yesterday or the day before. And one of the local auto dealerships had like their courtesy car was an all electric and they like splashed that on the side of it and graphics and stuff, letting the community know that their courtesy vehicle is all electric. And again, just another example where for that use for that business, mm -hmm. electric is perfect, you know, might not be for everyone quite yet, but um, it's a step in the right direction and the step that I think is our inevitable future is, you know, vehicles being electrified or, you know, powered by something other than the internal combustion engine like it has been for so long. So yeah, so that's a cool one for me. I'm excited to see electric postal service vehicles rolling yeah. around. Very cool. Did they did they mention in the article? And I will read the article and I will share the link. Uh but did they mention how the postal service fleet must be massive. Did they say how many vehicles at all? And you don't have to remember it. Why am I, I asking you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember uh, the number. It was, it was like thousands. Well, there, there was a number 14,000, I think, but that might've been charging stations okay. um, that they're building as part of it. But I think it was like, I don't know, 8,000 or 9,000 vehicles or something. So. I probably could have pulled up the link and given real numbers as I was saying yeah. all that, but yeah, that's okay. Read, read it, share the link. Um, and it's, it's a lot of vehicles. I know it's a big investment, mm. so it's pretty cool. Very cool. My, so my thing, <clears throat> uh, I feel like I always make excuses for my thing, how they're not the same as your thing. And I don't know why they would be, but I, uh, I am very excited to, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a, you are a longtime Rotarian. Um, and I have not been as faithful to my volunteer efforts as you have. I I tend to be a little fickle. Um, and I am excited to say I have found a new organization to work with. And it is NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Illness. Hmm. Um, and I'll share the link for the NAMI Wisconsin site. So NAMI is a very cool organization. Um, a friend, a friend of mine is the president for the local NAMI chapter. Cool. And uh, they do a lot of very cool work. They do advocacy. They work with law enforcement um, to help with uh, to, to help with training for mental health uh, incidents. They they have family support groups, peer support groups all across the country. Uh, the education, I don't know, you name it around mental illness and they have it. And um, we do this internal podcast uh, for the Simplicity team that is focused on mental illness. And I had Andrea, I invited Andrea to come and be on that podcast. So uh, 
that is one that no one that's listening to this one right now will hear, but <laughs> because it's just for our team, but uh, had a very cool discussion with her and um, really exciting. I think it's a really exciting organization and it is just everywhere and it's helping people. And you can also go, they have online support groups. I frankly, they're doing so much stuff. I don't even know how they possibly can do yeah. all of it, but very cool power. organization. Yeah, the power of volunteers, I suppose. Yeah, uh, I'm has sure. Something to do with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool, and um, I appreciate the mention of my time in Rotary and actually um, the incoming international president elect, a guy named Gordon McAnally. He's from Scotland. Um, a big focus of his is uh, mental health, and I, I say mm. a focus of his, but um, he's actually. Uh, one thing that they're working on um, and a lot of rotary clubs and leadership are working on is creating efforts that are a bit more sustainable or transcend leadership roles that are stuck to mm -hmm. a tenure. So um, I think that uh, a lot of the work that he's doing is laying the groundwork for uh, what will be a focus of rotaries for a long time. So maybe an opportunity for some cool collaboration uh, that yeah. I should talk about because um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all real. So I'll, I'll go just a little bit further and say um, Rotary has a motto, service above self, which is beautiful and great. You put your service before yourself. You know, it speaks to the sacrifice that you make to mm -hmm. um, sacrifice or to, uh, you know, volunteer and, you know, give uh, service, dollars, whatever it might be. But um, I heard an interesting modification of that totally unofficial that um, service and self, you know, so mm -hmm. less about service and giving and sacrifice being put before you always um, because if you don't take care of the self the service definitely will not happen right so um so yeah I, I already my wheels are spinning on how two groups like that that have you know networks of volunteers and structure and resources could come together and do some really cool things so we'll have to talk about that too yeah really cool. yeah that that it's awesome alignment because um from what I know, what little I know about Rotarians is they tend to also be in the business community. Right. Business community is, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of employers who are late to the party on, you know, thinking about employees' mental health and how you can, how uh, a robust program of supporting mental health um, awareness can be an amazing benefit. Yeah. for retention for you know traction <laughs> traction so yeah. and it not i mean and not to turn this all into all into the big dollar signs but but for real who doesn't want to who doesn't want to work for an employer who values your mental health above the bottom line right so right yeah cool. awesome so we'll talk more about that offline yeah. <laughs> uh just like we do uh, so many things offline. So thank you, listeners, as always, for joining us. You can catch up on your favorite uh, on your favorite podcast app, hear all of our episodes. Did you realize this is our sixth episode already for this year? That's unbelievable. I know. And you can find them all at our blog at exclamationcuso.com slash blog, or again, on your favorite podcast app. And we would encourage um, and nearly beg you to leave a review, rate us um, on your favorite podcast app. That really helps other people hear us. 
and we we love to talk and we love it when people hear us (laughs) (laughs) all right awesome thank you sue thank you friends for tuning in be awesome and we'll see you next time the Osmology Podcast is a production of Exclamation Services. Thanks to Nick Mulliver for sound production and Kylie Ganther for our cover artwork. Executive producers are me, Ben Bauer, and my friend, Suzanne Campbell. <laughs>